Welcome to the Swim Swam Podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining me today, I've got a very special guest. He is the head swimming and diving coach at Rutgers University. Today, we've got Jonathan McCall. Hey, Coleman. Thanks for having me. Obviously, everyone's experience through the last, you know, 10 months now uh, since the COVID pandemic has started has, has been vastly different. Um, every swim team has their own set of rules and regulations they have to follow. Everyone's reacting differently. Uh, we just reported on January 10th that you that Rutgers University Swimming and Diving expects to redshirt a significant portion of its swim and dive roster. And so um, we wanted to sit down and have a conversation with you about that. Obviously, we've seen Arizona State redshirt their entire team, and we've heard of other athletes individually kind of redshirting. But I think this is only the second case we've seen, you know, significant portions of a team at least um, redshirting this season. And so I just wanted to get your take on that. Um, can you give me a little insight, a little background into what went into that decision? Yeah, of course. Um, so to kind of just walk you through the timing and the process, uh, we, we really made these decisions back in July. Hmm. And, um, you know, we were, we were meeting with our athletes, you know, communicating with them. And we really felt that the two biggest problems that were, we were facing immediately as a result of all this was, was misinformation and uncertainty. So we were really communicating as much as we can. We were over communicating, um, you know, just to make sure that, you know, if athletes didn't feel like they were on solid ground, as far as where we we're going and what we we're doing, we didn't want them to fill in the gaps and sort of be like, Oh, you know, this or that, or this could happen or that could happen. So, the original plan was I'll see you all in January. We're going to redshirt and make a decision later. And that was sort of the original plan. And we had three athletes, you know, come in, we, we met with all of our athletes and we said, you know, what's your training situation? What's your school situation? What's your, your physical and mental health situation. And, and this is in July, correct? This is in July. Yeah. Okay. This is in July. And you know, a lot of the feedback we got was, you know, I, I can train, but this and, you know, school and there's so much uncertainty. So taking the season kind of off the plate for the first semester and saying, you know, our goals are for you to be happy, healthy, you know, and, and, and where you need to be. And uh, a lot of our athletes were, you know, we have athletes from international. We have athletes that swim for Carmel. We have athletes that swim out for La Mirada Armada out in California. And, and, and they were all in really good training situations. So for us, we felt that if they were in a good place mentally and they were in a good place physically health wise, that these are great programs. These are great coaches. They're all coming from, from really talented people. And it was more important that they train consistently and in a really great environment mentally for them, you know, to be mentally healthy and physically healthy than it was for them to be at Rutgers with our staff. You know, we, we felt that was more important. So, you know, and the other thing was if we ever had a, a, 
uh, you know, unfortunately, if we had a positive, um, the thought was, you know, it wouldn't shut down the whole team. You know, if one of our athletes in Italy were to get it, we wouldn't shut down our Russians, our Americans, and people from all over. So it provided us certainty. It provided us clarity. It provided us a consistency of training. And they were all in training environments that got them to Rutgers and got them to be Big Ten athletes. So we wrote really great about where everybody was at. So we then, you know, fast forward to just before Thanksgiving, things were looking good. We were talking about coming back and then you had that spike. And I, and I think, you know, you talk about how the, the different programs, everybody's had a different experience. I think there's a different entry point for every single program in the NCAA with, with COVID. Yeah. Can I, I, I just want uh, one question. So between yeah. July and no, and Thanksgiving, that period, um, I guess the fall semester, did you have any athletes that were still on campus? Yes. Yeah. We had, we had, uh, three athletes. We had, uh, Tina Selleck, who's from Slovenia. She's a wonderful young woman. Um, her training situation in Slovenia was such that she didn't really have a place to train. The pools weren't really there. Um, you know, she, her English was phenomenal. She's a phenomenal student. She came here and she had like a three, nine. She's awesome. Um, so she, she came over, she trained with us. Um, and then I had a senior in Delaney, uh, who's an engineer and kind of just needed to be here. She's from Orlando and, and needed to be here. And then I, we had a pharmacy major, uh, Kaja Demick, who is one of the smartest human beings I've ever met. And she, she's a, in the PharmD program. She kind of needed to be here for being in the PharmD program, uh, the six-year farm doctorate in pharmacy program. So they were here and we were training. Um, and then, you know, we were in constant communication with our athletes, you know, like Federica Greco was training in, in Italy and, you know, went, swam really fast at Italian nationals. We were really happy with those results and our Russians and our other Americans, like I said, down in Carmel and, and uh, Cat Salad and out at La Mirada Armada, uh, getting, getting, trying to get back on the U S team after her injury. So we were in constant communication with everybody. Um, and we were doing sort of team building stuff through zoom and, and those sorts of things. Um, but that was kind of the situation in that, that first semester. Okay. And so, yeah, sorry. Then, then flash forward Thanksgiving, we have the spike. You have the spike conversations started changing. What do we want to do? And, you know, right back to it, we had individual meetings where, you know, where are you, what are we doing? And, and, and as I kind of said, in we were emailing back and forth, our decisions were really based on the values of our program, of our school and of our athletic department and where we were going to support them. I think, you know, people can try to make exceptions for extreme cases, or if they get emotional, they can make a decision. I think if you're always rooted in your values of, of what you really try to stand for and those sorts of things, you make better decisions. And when we had those decisions, we, we talked through that. Um, a lot of them were like, you know, I'm on the national team. I'm, I'm making the national team. or I'm really close to the national team. And and we had people, you know, in, in, in Italy and Russia and, and New Zealand and all over the place. So we, we really supported that. And when that's kind of where we, we you know, when them moving the Olympics and, and kind of all of where all of that was, we decided that, you know, if certain people wanted to come back, they could. If they didn't, we were going to support that and we were going to figure this out. And, and that's kind of where, we, where we're at now. Um, we have four athletes now on campus. <laughs> um, we do have some more coming. Um, it could change any, any day. Uh, but 
Uh, we're getting ready for our Big Ten meet and our Big Tens and NCAAs, and um, we'll, we'll give the best possible experience to our athletes that we have now. We'll support our athletes that aren't here, and hopefully August of 21, if we're back to normal, you know, we'll, we'll do great. Uh, so let's, to give our listeners some context, uh, how big is your roster at Rutgers? So, uh, the swimming side is around 24 ish and divers, you know, three to six kind of depending on the year. Okay. Um, and so you've got four swimmers on campus currently. So how, you know, going into a big 10 championships, how many swimmers do you expect to compete this year? <laughs> at, at this 2021 big tens, I, I would say I'd expect at least five or six, but okay. we have a lot of athletes that, you know, if my pool gets shut down in Italy, I'll be on a plane next week, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I'll, I'll be training there. And, and some of our athletes have talked about coming back end of January, swimming through big tens NCAAs if they qualify and then going back in at, at the end of February, end of March, or middle of March after NCs to, you know, go back and train with their national teams again and, and, and be with their families uh, and, and those sorts of things. So it could change. I'd say at least five, maybe as many as 10 or 12. Yeah. So, so uh, like, like we said in the article, we quoted you saying there's a lot of fluidity. Um, as I understand it, winter sport athletes are, are granted this, you know, kind of an extra year of eligibility, um, because of, because of the uncertainty of this season. And so, uh, to you, what is the advantage of redshirting this season versus, you know, trying, trying to make something work, um, from an, from an athlete perspective and from a coaching perspective? Well, I think that what works is going to be very different for every athlete based on their ability level what country they're from, where their goals are, you know? Mm -hmm. So for some of our women, you know, it, it, it didn't make sense to come in and here and train because you have big 10 protocols, which are in place to keep us safe and to keep them safe. And they were concerned that somebody else could test positive and contact trace them out of training for a week or two weeks or those sorts of things. And they were really concerned about, hey, I'm trying to make 21 Olympic team. You know, I'm, I'm trying to make this team. And, and um, you know, even, even Kat Saladin, who was talking, who's training outdoors in California. So like, I'm training outdoors in California. You know, we're, we're in constant contact of training, what we're doing. You know, it didn't necessarily make sense for her to come back. Where you have someone like Kaja, who is a, a farm D major, who is going to be an amazing pharmacist someday and her primary goals are not trying to get back on the U S team like Kat, but to, you know, be an amazing pharmacist while swimming and, and live a very full and, and, and rich college experience. So for her coming back and training made more sense. And if, if there was a contact trace out or something like that, it would be very disappointing. We would work through it, but it wouldn't, quite, it wasn't quite the same priorities as some of our other athletes, you know, mm -hmm. and Kaja's great. I mean, Kaja's <laughs> placed in NCDs and she's 24th. Yeah. She, she lost in a swim off, but she was 24th in prelims. Um, <laughs> now that I think about it um, last year in the two flies, she's a really talented athlete. So for us, it, it really kind of boils down to every individual and, you know, 
there's a pandemic. And, you know, as I was saying before with entry points, we are in New Jersey right next to New York City. You know, we, we can hop on a train that's right on campus and be at Madison Square Garden in 45 minutes. And there are uh, New York and Queens and New York and Manhattan and New Jersey is, is a very, it's a hotspot. And, you know, there's certain levels of comfort with that with some of the athletes as well and travel and, and, and those sorts of things. And um, so, you know, we, we had most of our freshmen took classes online and trained at home. We had one athlete, um, Alexander Shegaleva, just totally opt out for the year. She's just going to come back next year. She was training in, in Cyprus and train, training in England and, and, and getting ready for the Olympics for Cyprus and, and those sorts of things. So it really came down to what was best for every athlete and setting up a plan and not having a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, and sort of saying, you know, we are certain with what we're doing. Our goals are clearly communicated. Our values are clearly communicated. What can we do to make sure that this happens? And if, if this changes, we've got a plan B. And if that changes, we got a plan C. But we're, you know, if you fail the plan, you plan to fail. Thanks, Jeff Dugdale. That's what he taught me. If you fail the plan, you plan to fail. So we, we had tons of plans just set up for everybody. I mean, it's, yeah, it sounds like you've been doing a lot of work on your end just in terms of communication off the deck uh, and making sure, yeah, each athlete feels comfortable, which is nice. Um, so when does the, the redshirt decision, I guess, come in for any, for X athlete? Um, is it just, you know, whether they are going to be on campus or not, or, um, I guess, how, how do you take me through a conversation like that of, okay, this is your situation. So this is going to lead to a red shirt. Yeah. So it was a little bit different in November because they kind of, we knew that that NCAA ruling was coming down. Mm. And so the original one was, you know, do you want to take the year off? Do you want to wait till January? Do you want, you know, how do you want to do this? Do you want to come now? Do you want to come January? You want to just say solid, it's going to be the year I'll see you next year or, or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. For some of them, most internationals, it was around their, their national team, what their goals were, what they were doing. Um, and every national team different. It's totally different for our Russians. Um, you know, we have some Russians coming in that are amazing. Um, and we have some Italians that are amazing and, and they're totally different, you know, ends of the spectrum as far as how they do things. Um, some of our Americans were a more health-based, um, comfort level, those sorts of things. Um, most of the decisions were, let's wait and see till January or second semester and kind of figure out where we're going to be. Once it had changed and the NCAA ruling came down, um, it was sort of, well, what does this year look like? And what do I want to do with this extra year of eligibility? You know, so a lot of them was, you know, I love Rutgers. I love being here. I love this team. I, I love the culture that we've built. And um, for someone um, like Katie Doherty coming from Carmel, it was, how can I stay here for my master's? How can I stay here and, and continue to go to school here and swim through my master's? Um, and so we had a lot of those conversations. Um, some of the conversations were, you know, I, I, I need to, you know, I need to graduate. I need to graduate. I need to go out, get a job. I'm not on a huge scholarship or, or you know, whatever. And I, I need to do those sorts of things. So I really want to get there and I want to have the best year that I can have right now and, and go out the best way I can. 
Um, you know, and some of the other ones were, you know, just, I, I want to wait and, and just see what happens. So, um, you know, <laughs> it's, it, it's ever changing and we're, we're really just supporting them and talking through what are your goals? What are your values? Have your priorities changed? If they have, how do we go through that decision-making process? If they haven't, are we on track? Do you feel comfortable? Are you healthy? Do you have the support that you need? You know, whether it's in the water, practices, mental health support, physical health support, all those sorts of things, and just making sure that we're, we're giving them everything that we possibly can give them. Yeah. It, again, it sounds like you've created quite a quite an open and supportive environment, which seems great, especially for the time we are in right now. Um, I, I did have a thought, and my thought is that, you know, coaches are used to being in control. They, they write the sets, they get the times, um, you know, they, a, a lot of coaches, and I'm not saying you specifically, I don't know, but a lot of coaches, you know, like having their structured routine and, uh, and being able to mold that as they see fit. Um, again, the buzzword in this podcast, fluidity. Um, it seems like you have very little control in this situation, but you, it seems like you've handled this with a lot of understanding and grace and, and just seeing it from the athlete's perspective. Um, I mean, has this, has just this whole red shirting, figuring out what's best for each athlete in these last six months. I mean, can you talk about the process that's been for you personally as a coach? Sure. For me personally, there was a lot of lack of control and it was not easy to deal with, but, um, I give a lot of credit to the, my mentors and the, and, and the men and women that I've worked with through the years to help prepare me for something like this guys, you know, guys like David Marsh and Jeff Dogdale and Pam Swander. Um, I learned so much from Pam when I was at SWIMAC and um, even my, you know, my summer, my summer club coach, Dale Ron, like, you know, there were, you know, who I, I swam for from four years old to 17. Um, you know, they all, really helped me get ready for this. And, and there are things that I was able to control that I sort of leaned into. So, you know, I can be as prepared as I possibly can be when everyone comes back. So I've been spending a lot of time reading McGlisco and reading some Dave Salo stuff and having conversations with amazing people like Chris Webb and David Marsh. And I'm in a group chat with Brett Hawk and all of these amazing coaches and, and, you know, reading John T. Skinner and reading culture code and talent code and, and, and just sort of, sort of becoming as prepared as I possibly can be so that when this comes back, I, I can control that. I can control how I behave through here, through this process. And I can control what I'm bringing in and what I can give. Like is, as coaches, we serve, we serve people. That's what we do. So I am now focused on serving my athletes and being, and having honestly extra time on my hands in certain, certain situations and being even better prepared to serve when they come back. That's a good answer. <laughs> uh <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously the situation is not an easy one to deal with, but um, again, you know, you, you're making 
like we saw with Arizona state, you're kind of making the best of the situation and, um, and giving a lot of that decision over to the athletes. And, and like you said, trying to serve them and, and help them make the best decision for, for themselves. Um, I think you brought up an interesting point and I don't know if there's much more to say on it, but the fact that, you know, this extra year of eligibility, the possibility of, of, of red shirts as well kind of brings into play, um, more and more swimmers swimming through their masters, which I think is, is really interesting. I mean, did you ever see that as a possibility before this year, or have you ever seen anything like that since you've been coaching? Well, you know, one of the unique things of being at Rutgers is, is having New York city, you know, New York's, we're in the shadow of New York city. We're, we're right by Philly. We're in a huge media market, you know, and I, I think we have a lot of people that do look at that entrepreneurial spirit of certain things um, and, and, and kind of all the, all the things and all the resources that we kind of have around here. And we've had discussions with athletes, you know, previously, you know, like Feta actually sat out last year to try to make the, you know, the national team with, with, with Italy. She, you know, our, 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 arguably our best swimmer, probably our second best swimmer, best swimmer just totally sat out as she was getting ready for 2020 and, and, you know, she made the world university game team. She was under a minute long course in the fly. She was making all these huge strides and improvements and all through her hard work and her own, her, her dedication. But we, we talked about what does a one-year masters look like, you know, and, and what programs are good. And, and, you know, because of that, we were, I think, at least our staff was a little bit more educated on, on that. And, um, you know, the grad transfer thing is very big in football and, we have phenomenal communication amongst coaches here at Rutgers between sports and between our support staff and stuff like that. And, and Gila, our, our athletic, um, sorry, academic advisor that works specifically with us, she kind of said, you know, I said, you know, walk me through this. It's like, these programs are good. These work, these don't work. These are one year, these are two years. And we got educated on it pretty quick. And there were, um, those discussions actually happen, I think, pretty regularly. I think if you follow other sports, you can see the writing on the wall with the grad transfer stuff. And, you know, if a kid has a year of an injury and then they have another year left and, you know, you can see kids trying to maximize their experience, which I think is a great thing. And once again, if I'm going to be able to serve kids trying to maximize that, I have to be educated on it. I have to know about it. So we, we, we were very, um, it wasn't necessarily weird for us to all of a sudden see grad transfers in the portal. And, you know, we kind of were, all right, Hey, these one year masters work. These don't, this is what we can do at Rutgers. And, you know, what's, what's awesome about the NCAA in general is that there's a spot for everybody, for every academic discipline, athletic ability level, you know, being at Queens, being at Sioux Falls, being at UNLV, like they're, they're so, there's such a gambit, right. Of, of everything there. There's a great spot for everybody, you know, and it's a lot of I tell our, our, our recruits when I'm, when I'm talking to them, it's like, we're all ice cream. We're just different flavors. Do you like vanilla? You like chocolate? You like strawberry? Like, it's all good. It's all ice cream. You know, it's, you know, everybody loves it. So, you know, for us, you know, certain people in certain graduate situations were awesome for that. There's other things that were not so great for that. And if we're not so great for that, there's a place for them. And that's awesome that there's a place for them. 
that's one of the beauties of the NCAA and at least where we are in athletics right now. So we really encourage them to look at these programs and this is a good fit for you. Great. If not, there's another fit for you to go continue your career somewhere else. And though I might hate swimming against you, the whole sport is stronger when you're doing well, leaving with a great experience, donating to your programs when you graduate and continuing the strength of our sport. So we try to look at a big picture, once again, rooted in our values. What do we really care about? That's sort of, I guess, my take on that. Yeah, that's a great take. We're all ice cream, just different flavors. I love it. <laughs> uh, and also, you know, it's like um, with, you know, I think more and more we're seeing that you need that an undergraduate degree is not enough when looking into some some career paths. And so it's like, if you can continue swimming, um, I think we're also seeing more and more that the, the long, if you stay in the sport longer, you can do just as well at, at age 23 or 26 or 36 as you can, you know, when you were 18 or 22. And so, uh, stay in the sport longer, be on a team that you love and get a master's degree. It seems like, it seems like a win-win for everyone. Um, so I want to take it back a little, a little more, just you talked about this redshirt discussion starting in July. Uh, what was March to July like for, for, for you all? It, it was, I mean, the gambit of emotions, denial, uncertainty. <laughs> you know, I remember having the conversation with, with, with Turka, Teresa Grusova. They're not going to cancel NCAAs. They might do this or they might do that. There's I think no everyone way. had that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like they'll, fi- they'll figure out a way to get to, you know, and, and, and they didn't. And I, you know, for safety reasons that we shouldn't, it, you know, it was, I mean, it makes sense, you know, um, you know, but it was incredibly disappointing for a lot of them and, and for our program that really felt like we were building momentum, you know, and we have, great recruits coming in and it was like, it was like, Oh, we're, we're really turning this thing around. Like, this is great. You know? Um, and then there was uncertainty and it, you know, and it was, what are we going to do? And, and where, where, where are we going to go? And, and, you know, I give just so much credit to our administration, you know, our athletic director, Pat and our SWA Kate, who's, who's also our sports admin for swimming. They're amazing communicators as well. They were communicating to us, everything that they knew and and they were incredibly helpful with the coaches because you know putting us on solid ground we can then kind of translate that down excuse me to to our athletes so the the communication support kind of after the disappointment kind of you get to the end of march you know and and um you know the disappointment is now how are we going to get better and what can we do? And, and, and how do we turn the page? And, and those sorts of things. And it led from the top down. You know, we have tremendous leadership in our administration, goes to our coaches. Um, one of the coolest things that happened in Rutgers was we started Zoom calls with all the head coaches. And we started talking with gymnastics and we started talking with basketball and football. And it was awesome to see our head football coach on this call with the rowing coach and the swimming coach and the tennis coaches and soccer and well, we started talking, what are you doing? How are you getting better? You know, what's your situation? And we just opened up the lines of communications and we started talking about how is our, is Rutgers athletic department going to get better, you know? Mm-hmm. 
And that was able to sort of translate down to our athletes and say, you know, this is consistent messaging from their friends as well, because, you know, I'm giving the same messaging, you know, that field hockey is getting. And our women that are friends with the women that field hockey are all getting sort of the same consistent message. And they can all feel like they're all being, there's a plan. There's not uncertainty. You know, there's so many problems, but, you know, the leaders that are here, you know, are, are doing what they can, the best that they can, because we can't always be perfect, but the best that they can to really take care of them. And I give a lot of credit to Pat, you know, and, and Sarah and Kate and all of our administrators that were sort of leading that effort because um, I think it helped sort of everybody start saying, all right, let's turn the page. How do we get better? How do, you know, how do we support soccer and, and getting them ready? And how can soccer support swimming? And how can an athletic department be, be even stronger? And, and I think, you know, that, that leadership and then that sense of community of we're all apart, but we're all Rutgers athletes and we're all in this together. I think making it bigger than, than just swimming or bigger than themselves really helped um, kind of move everyone through that. Nice. And it, just in terms of your team, uh, did, did everyone pretty much scatter right away? I mean, did you, was there a point where you had a group of athletes at Rutgers um, bigger than three after March? Yeah, no, we did. <laughs> so after, after NCAAs, we were training, you know, we were, we were training and, and like things were moving along and then, gosh, I don't remember the exact date or week or anything, but we got the call that like, it's time to shut it down. You know, New York, okay. New Jersey is a yeah. hot zone. People are going to be moving out of dorms. We need to get people home. And, you know, at that point, it was just support mode. All right, how can we help you pack? You live in Italy. How do we help you pack? How do we help you get ready, for, you know, with all this uncertainty? And, and it became to, what's your lease like? Where are you going to park your car? What are you, how are you, gonna, you know, all these little things of, of you know, what, what can we do? And, you know, you know, how can we feed you? How are we going to take care of you? Um, you know, and, and it became all of those planning details help them get to what they need to do so they it was relatively quick i mean people were should have gone and you know me and kelsey the assistant at the time were kind of lonely <laughs> like what are we what are we gonna do you know um but yeah. um you know it's like our family just left you know and and, and stuff so you know it, it it's it there was that, that kind of a really quick transition but you know everybody got home safe Everybody got home COVID free. Everybody was taken care of and we did it all within NCAA compliance. So I call it a win. That, that definitely seems like a win. <laughs> um, and so then when did you finally have athletes come back? Was that in July? No, people didn't really come back until August. Okay. So um, some of the athletes that started coming back, it was kind of the end of August and, um, you know, they had to go through quarantine procedures and, you know, once again, you know, we had plans and the plans changed probably five times in two weeks, but our training staff was amazing. Our health and nutrition staff, you know, we have an athlete from Slovenia who's trying to get, you know, meals delivered to her room because she can't leave her room, but she doesn't have a phone number. And, you know, you know, just, and I was able to hand that off to Katie, our health and nutrition person and, Within like six hours, it was solved. And 
so Tina got all of her meals and she was taken care of and she was really good and happy. And, you know, we were able to Skype and, you know, figure it all out. And, um, you know, we were able to get in the pool and we were able to section off dry land areas and coordinate with strength and conditioning. And we were able to swim and able to do some really great stuff. And, um, you know, we got it going, you know, and it was, it was three people and we had Casmira who we brought in as our new assistant coach who, Oh, I, amazing she's so amazing i've been so blessed with the last two assistant coaches i've had um but you know kaz is super passionate about here she was an all-american here she swam here uh, and you know she was super excited to come from villanova and, and 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 you know be back at her alma mater and it was just great and you know it was a really hard experience but i think all of us have been through really bad experiences that we look back almost fondly and you know i look back to that month of testing and training and just chaos. And I, I look at it really fondly because I feel so good about everybody that we got around us. I feel so good about our trainer. I feel so good about our administration. I feel so good about our athletes and our culture and what we've been able to do. And it was nuts, but I, I, it is almost with fondness or a positive experience. August was, was good. August was good. You know, it was trying, but you know, I think we all walk away better for it absolutely and and hopefully that will be you know everyone's perspective uh looking back on this pandemic which you know is still very very much happening um and so looking forward um in these next couple months you know it's like you've got a group of athletes there you've got more athletes coming like you said you're preparing for big tens ncaa's uh, so what do you, what are you as a coach looking, looking forward to and focusing on in these next couple weeks, couple months? Look forward to serving my athletes. You know, I, I look forward to helping them re- reach their goals and, and, you know, our team culture is really good and I'm looking forward to seeing that culture pay off. <laughs> I'm looking forward to, you know, it's, it's so great when I hear, Hey, so-and-so is taking the GRE this week. We should, we should, we need to send them a message, you know, from our athletes within our athletes and, you know, so-and-so's got nationals in, in this country and we got to, you know, send them whatever. Um, so I'm looking forward to that culture sort of executing at, at, at a high level and, and watching that and, and, and being part of that. Um, I'm looking forward to big tens. I'm looking forward and I'm just, I'm looking forward to seeing Pablo on deck at Nebraska and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing friends and people, you know, I, I want to see Jesse at Minnesota and Kelly smile and see everybody do great things. And I'm excited to see what the big 10 is going to do as a whole at, at, you know, Rutgers itself is great, but I want to see the big 10 do great at, at NCAAs. I want to see that. I want to see everybody contribute from all the amazing schools and all the amazing coaches that we have. And I'm looking forward to the NCAA championships being awesome and surprising people all over the world that in the middle of the pandemic, we can swim fast and, 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 and we can do this. And, and I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to people swimming fast, our athletes doing really well in all their countries, other athletes doing well in, at NCAAs. And I'm looking forward to seeing what team USA can do in the 21 Olympics. I'm looking forward to all the positives that, can come out of this awful situation by saying, no matter what happens, no matter what's going on, swimmers are tough, swimmers are resilient, 
We can get through things. We can still swim fast. We can still do this. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to all the positives. I, I try not to think about the negatives. That That's my focus right now. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a great focus. Uh, uh, well, Jonathan, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and talk with me. It's been great getting your perspective on, on what, as you said, has been a pretty trying situation. Um, and yeah, I, I really appreciate you sitting down with me today. I appreciate you guys too. Keep doing the awesome work at Swim Swim, man. Keep, you put, keep posting positive articles. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.